Welcome back. Welcome back. So, United Nations, UK, um, is urging more support for Ukraine. Starting to think that this war is really just to test logistics for uh, how to maneuver weapons and supplies during war so when china goes to invade taiwan the united states knows what to do in supplying taiwan with weapons and getting to the fight with getting in the fight with china when china tries to invade taiwan um i believe that's what that uh person was saying on social media heard a person saying that i believe that's true why else would you waste billions of dollars millions and millions of tax u.s taxpayers money when you have all other issues like homelessness an illegal immigration problem hurricanes damaging parts of your of your country and you're wasting it on a country that doesn't deserve it a country that is blatantly for white supremacy supports neo-nazism has it ingrained to the point that they teach their kids about swastikas, writing swastikas on the wall on the walls of their homeland, and doing the Nazi salute when Zelensky was giving his New Year's uh, 2023 address. Pictures of a whole Ukrainian family doing the Nazi salute. Why else would you waste money on something on some foolishness like this? Let's get into it. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. Continues to rise in Ukraine following Russia's missile strike on an apartment complex on Saturday. Last night, Ukrainian President Zelensky confirmed at least 40 civilians, including three children, were killed when the building in the Ukrainian city of Dnipro was hit. The search and rescue efforts now are focused on recovery as bodies continue to be pulled from the rubble there. A deputy to Zelensky's office saying Ukraine will not cease rescue and recovery efforts until the bodies of everyone killed there have been found. As of yesterday afternoon, 34 Ukrainian civilians remain missing. Meanwhile, the United States has begun training Ukrainian troops in Germany. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, visited the Grafenwar training area yesterday to oversee some of the initial exercises that began on Sunday. About 500 Ukrainian soldiers are being trained on what is known as combined arms warfare, which layers the use of artillery and combat vehicles. At the same time, Ukrainian soldiers have also arrived stateside in Oklahoma. There, they will focus on Patriot Air Defense training, taught by the same instructors who teach both American soldiers and European allies. The training in the U.S. expected to take several months. Meanwhile, today, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken will meet with his British counterpart, Foreign Secretary James Cleverly, to discuss the two countries' cooperation on the world stage with an emphasis on the war in Ukraine. British Foreign Secretary Cleverly joins us now here in Washington. Welcome to America, sir. Good to Thank have you. you here with us. Thank you. Good to be here. So tell us a bit about your mission. Uh, the U.K. announced 14 of those Challenger 2 battle tanks will be sent to the Ukrainian military for use on the field of battle. What is your message to our Secretary of State and as you travel up to Canada as well, what are you here to accomplish? 
Well, we announced uh, yesterday, just as I, just as I was uh, flying from London uh, to Washington, that we'll be uh, donating those uh, squadron of main battle tanks, as well as uh, heavy artillery and uh, a couple of hundred uh, other armoured vehicles, hundreds of thousands of artillery shells, millions of rounds of small arms ammunition, because we're making this statement very, very clear to Moscow and to Putin that we are in it for the long haul. We have the strategic endurance to uh, support Ukraine as it defends itself against aggression. And I'm here to coordinate with uh, the United States of America, who have been the single biggest donor of money and equipment to help the Ukrainians. This is about uh, working. They're going to keep throwing money at this until either Russia runs out of weapons and supplies, which they won't. So the Europeans, you know, the United Kingdom are going to go bankrupt. They're going to go broke. They're going for broke, just like America is. People got to prepare because this recession, 2023, is going to be another hard year. With one of our closest allies in the world, uh, this is about making sure that what we do is fully integrated, that our training package integrates with your training package. Um, and it's about making sure that collectively we defend freedom, territorial integrity, and stand up against the kind of aggression and brutality that we're seeing in Ukraine. We're coming up on a year. It'll be on February 24th, a year of this war, Russia's war um, on Ukraine. United Brutality? What about Ukrainian soldiers tying Ukrainian civilians to flagpoles, stripping them butt naked, and, spent, and hitting them with paddles? All because they think... Not because they know, they think they're in cahoots with Russia, these Ukrainian citizens. United States, as you said, has continued its support, military, humanitarian. But there have been some voices on the Capitol Hill uh, in the building behind you have said, maybe we need to pull back a little bit. It's been a full year of using taxpayer money. How do you articulate a year in now to an American audience? why this effort, why it's so important to continue to support Ukraine? Well, look, we've got to understand that what is happening here is being viewed right across the world. And we have a choice about what message we send. Are we sending the message that actually the, the liberal West, that democracies like ours uh, will lose patience after 12, 18 months, that we can be uh, weighted out by, uh, by aggressors uh, and dictators? Because if that's the message that we send to the world, we are inviting further violence, further aggression, further invasions. The message that we need to send is that we are in it for the long haul, that these are values that we defend, that we regard as absolute foundation stones to our safety uh, and prosperity, and that we will stick with it until the job is done. Um, and that means making sure that we support the Ukrainians as they defend themselves. Uh, because what's at stake is not just the, the lives of the Ukrainian people. What's at stake are the very foundation stone principles that your democracy, my democracy, Western liberal democracies are, are, are built Probably what what more can Britain, the Western world, the alliance do uh, to to avoid those tragic scenes like the ones? It kills me when a black man is up here want to support a country that would waste no time in putting a bullet in his head. It's so sad. Ukrainians are pro neo Nazis. And you're supporting a country that hates you. We've seen this weekend of that apartment building 
devastated. The death toll is up, I believe, to 44 now, and there's still um, 20 people missing. Um, it, 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 it seems that the Russians can lob these dumb bombs and missiles uh, toward Ukrainian cities uh, as they wish. And uh, what, what can we do to stop that? Eugene, you, you make a really important point. And I think your viewers need to understand that that is a demonstration of weakness rather than strength. Uh, the Ukrainians have uh, fought the Russians back on the line of contact in the east and the south of Ukraine. And so what Vladimir Putin is doing in a, in a, in a vicious, petulant way is targeting civilian infrastructure, uh, civilian cities with uh, cruise missiles and ballistic missiles, which are very, very hard to defend, them, uh, defend against. That's why the Patriot missile systems that you guys are donating are incredibly uh, important. Um, and what we need to do, and what, uh, what we have been doing, the UK, the US, uh, and others, is giving Ukraine the ability to uh, to defend itself against those air attacks, but also to push back. The thing, the do the Ukrainians know how to use those weapons? You want to train them in like what a couple of months? Even the U.S. government wants to train Ukrainian military within a couple of months how to use high-tech weapons to fight Russia, which has a history in winning wars. So. You're wasting money. Putin already said, you know, you could have all the best tanks you got. They all they all still burn. That's from Putin. That's a tough line, man. That sounds something out of a, 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 an action movie. And this year will be a critical year. Uh, and we need to make sure they succeed. Uh, we've promised collectively to back them until this war is uh, successfully brought to a conclusion. They're not going to win. All right. They are suffering tuberculosis right now. Those Ukrainian soldiers are suffering tuberculosis. All right. The top military brass, when they get medical supplies from the U.S., they take that medical supplies and sell it. They don't give it to the Ukrainian soldiers. So they're suffering out there. The food, the supplies, they're starving and they're freezing and they're getting diseases. And if they try to run from the battlefield, Ukrainian military police will find them and delete them. They're wasting money. And the message I think Vladimir Putin should take is that we're going to back these guys until they win. And the right thing for him to do is not to put any more young Russian soldiers into the grinder that this war has become. What about Zelensky putting young soldiers into the meat grinder who see, they, they, you know, the military brass does not look out for them. The mercenaries that go to join the Ukrainian army are seeing that they're treated like crap. The people that they have to follow orders from, if they do not like them, they'll order them to go to a certain part of war into a minefield and not tell them and they will get blown up and killed. They steals from each other. Everybody tries to cut each other's throat. And you guys want to give money to these people and supplies, and the supplies are not going to their own military. The own military brass is mistreating their soldiers. And it got so bad that there's video clips of 
Ukrainian soldiers saying, we're going to find you, Zelensky, and we're going to delete you. That's bad. But to recognize that we're going to back them until they win, and therefore he should recognize this war needs to come to a swift conclusion. That's how we save lives. And to the point that you were making, that's how we save money. Mm. Um, and How are you saving money? By wasting your money, giving it to people who are thieves. And if they don't know how to use the weapons, the, the, the United States weapons will end up on the black market and they don't have serial numbers. So you can't trace it. So you end up in some terrorist cell somewhere and you're going to do the same thing. So what's really going on here? Are you also testing for logistics? Are you also testing to see if how your weapons are able to be transported to different areas during wartime? Are you doing the same thing? Are you going to join in that war with when China wants to fight Taiwan and invade Taiwan? Are you going to be there with China? Because you want a little uh, piece of the... Uh, um, is it called semiconductors because Taiwan makes the world's uh, semiconductors. So you want a piece of that action? Is that it? And, uh, and, 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 and as I say, bring this to a conclusion quickly will, will, will be the right thing to do. It'll be the more humane thing to do. And that's why we've got to uh, lean in hard. But is there anything, Mr. Secretary, about Vladimir Putin that tells you he's going to receive that message and say, you know what? The United States and the United Kingdom are right. I can't win this war. I'm going to pull out. It's over. I was wrong. I thought I'd be in uh, Kiev in two weeks, raising the Russian flag over the capital, and we'd be greeted as liberators. He was wrong about mm. that. How do you see this ending with a man like Vladimir Putin on the other side of the conversation? Well, you make a really good point. And throughout this conflict, and even ahead of this conflict, uh, he has acted in a, in a very thoughtless way. Uh, we haven't seen the kind of uh, military or political analysis that you would expect from a successful world leader. He's demonstrated uh, a naivety. He is naivety? Naivety? This man, you know, and a couple other leaders, they form BRICS. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. We are talking about naivety? What you talking about here? This man's making deals, wheeling and dealing. Okay. He's sitting on black gold. And the real reason you guys are so, you know, agitated and so gung-ho because you want to go after Russia's gold and their resources. That's what you want to do. That's the reason why. And it's so much that you will sign up with white supremacy. This guy is half black and you want to sign you want to side with a country that is that would would try to make would try to, to, to delete you. I can never understand a black person wanting to side with Ukraine once you find all the information that they're Nazis. OK, come on now. Zelensky in his Oval Office, he got swastikas on his flags. Give me a break, man. Give me a break.
These people crazy, man. I mean, I can't hear it no more. I just can't. Because this this person here is uh, all I can say is I, I just think it's uh, it really is new world new world order, man. I really see it that way. Nobody in their right mind would pull a stunt like this unless you got something else going on. You got some money laundering. You you got something going on, man. That is uh totally you know underground. Plus, you censor people who want to talk about this information, too. Yeah. UK to go further in support for you. Of additional armored vehicles, Foreign Secretary James cleverly announced. UK said to provide Ukraine with more than 200 armored vehicles in addition to a batch of Challenger 2 main battle tanks that had been promised earlier. Foreign Secretary James Cleveland announced on Wednesday. His remarks came as Canadian authorities made a similar pledge in terms of security assistance speaking at a joint press conference with canadian foreign minister melanie jolie cleverly reiterated the west's commitment to supporting ukraine military in its fight against russia this is why the united kingdom has decided to go further and go faster with our help to ukraine including the supply supplying to our friends of challenger two main battle tanks friends your friends with nazis heavily artillery and other 200 other armored vehicles he said the aid would also include 100,000 artillery rounds and millions of rounds of small arms ammunition he added hmm. million dollar question do they even know how to use these weapons on monday uk defense minister ben walls confirmed that london would provide Kiev with 14 challenges bulldog personal carriers as well as armored recovery and repair vehicles the package was also set to promise an uncrewed aerial systems and air defense missiles. Do they know how to use this stuff? Uncrewed aerial systems and air defense missiles. So it was probably remote, and these people could easily make a, make a mistake or end up killing themselves or killing another town of innocent civilians in the process. That's what could happen. Meanwhile, on Wednesday, Canadian Defense Minister Anita Annan announced during her visit to Kyiv that Ottawa would donate 200 Senator armed pers armored personal carriers to Ukraine, which are being purchased from Russell Defense Company at a cost of uh, 90 million, 67 million Russian officials.
here. All right. That's how it is, man. I mean, people are just in their delusion. And they think that's going to win, that they're going to win, that they actually people are not waking up like people are not looking at alternative resource sources of social media to understand what's going on because they already lied to about other things you know the uh they were lied about the um the jim jones juice let's put it that way all right let's just put it that way they were they were they woke up people are waking up and they're not taking it anymore okay on to the next story you won't believe what they're trying to tell you what to do with your stoves now wouldn't believe it. The World Economic Forum, man, it is something else. Let's check it out. Rising energy costs have led to the growing popularity of log burners as people look for cost effective ways has increased it's with the the wood burner where the heat comes down from there as so and just keep it a little bit warmer um yeah we really try and keep those energy bills down while low running costs are seen as an advantage many don't realize that use Using a log burner comes at a cost to the environment. The report found that in 2022, domestic burning produced almost twice as much of the air pollution, called PM 2.5, than vehicles. Breathing PM 2.5 is extra deaths in the UK each year. When it comes to wood burning, we think that around 17 percent of the PM 2.5 that is being produced in the UK is coming from people burning wood. The best way to see the health impact of air pollution is to look at those places where they've taken wood burning away. Moreover, new research commissioned by Global Action Plan as a part of new awareness camp revealed that only few people know just how polluting can be. 
help provide another wood burner, there isn't a public conversation. Know this. The pollution cause concern. Which has traveled through winds from neighboring homes. I can smell his bedroom. Not only is he breathing it in outside, but now, you know, we're at home in what's supposed to be kind of a safe environment, and there is absolutely nothing. The government says it has already placed regulations on. The stone fires are rising. Welcome to 2022. Evidence. The reporter, the reporter, the Organization and Fun World is trying to find every. Thing. All right, because all of this is about is really about control. It's not about helping the environment. It's about how to control you. Let's get on with the next one. All right, so. Let's talk about this win for New York City when it comes to the mandates. A New York State Supreme Court judge struck down a mandate that required all health care workers to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Now the State Department tells me in an email it's exploring its options following this ruling. In his 12-page ruling, the judge writes that the health department governor and commissioner of health overstepped their authority by mandating a vaccine that's not included in the state public health law. It feels like it should have happened, you know, a long time ago. For Rachel Ponca, this ruling is a step in the right direction. It's definitely great news to hear, and I'm sure a lot of people are relieved about it. When the vaccine mandate went into effect in 2021, Ponca tells me she didn't follow through with the requirement at a senior care center she worked at in Olean. She says she ended up losing her job as a result. It was heartbreaking, and it really shook me up. And I went through some pretty bad depression, um, you know, financially. 
In an email on Monday, the New York State Department of Health tells me the requirement that healthcare workers be vaccinated against COVID-19 protects vulnerable New Yorkers and the people who care for them, and it is a critical public health tool. The state health department strongly disagrees with the judge's decision and is exploring all options. Let's see where it goes from here. It'll undoubtedly be appealed. Stephen Cohen is litigation chair with the Hogan Willick Law Firm. Cohen says in the judge's ruling, he acknowledges that the vaccine doesn't stop the transmission of COVID-19. What his honor did is he said that, look, whether you want to take the, va the, the vaccine or not, that's up to you. But it's not up to the executive branch of government. Cohen explains that this mandate decision was beyond the scope and authority of the Department of Health. These issues are outside of the scope of the executive branch. It's strictly within the legislative branch. Now, Ponca says this ruling opens up the possibilities of working at a hospital once again. And I absolutely will because that's, you know, that's what I want to do. I did reach out to hospitals in our area for a comment about this, but I've yet to hear back. And so that's a good thing now. I mean, now, you know, the staff could actually get a break. They could actually get, uh, you know, more help on the job. They're able to see their families. Okay. They won't be overworked. Okay. And they could have, have their lives back. All right. But tell me what you think in the comments. Also, have you heard about this new variant? Let me check it out. Let me uh, let you check it out. All right. It's good to have you with us from across the country on this Monday. A new year bringing a new COVID variant. The latest subvariant is being dubbed Kraken after the mythological sea monster. Experts say, though, it's proof positive the virus is still evolving. The World Health Organization says this Omicron subvariant is the most transmissible one detected so far. The Public Health Agency of Canada, meantime, domestically saying last week it's, quote, too early to tell if the subvariant is spreading in the country beyond some scattered cases. Here's what we know. There is new concern in Quebec, which reports four deaths related to the disease and a 27 patient increase in hospitalizations. 29 cases of the Kraken virus, subvariant rather, have been confirmed across the country. Dr. Matthew Outen is my guest, infectious disease specialist. He is in Montreal today. Dr. Outen, always good to see you. And uh, give me your sense of this variant, Kraken, how it compares to others. I think this is going to give a lot of uh, your audience a sense of deja vu. Uh, this is the latest in a series of variants that is appearing precisely because it has a competitive advantage over the other variants that up until this point have been the dominant ones. And just like we've seen happen many times before, in many countries we've already seen this process well underway where it very rapidly emerges from almost nothing and then in the matter of literally a few weeks becomes a dominant strain. A good example is uh, the example just to the south of our border, where I think it was in the course of about three weeks, and this went from about 1% of all of the um, uh, variants isolated to upwards of 40%, and in some regions uh, it's even more problem than that. And I'm certain that we're going to see exactly the same process replicated here across Canada in the next couple of weeks. The virus more transmissible, as we know, but but how serious is it? How deadly is it? What do we know on that front? 
So uh, there's for more information like this, you could check out my YouTube channel, Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. So you check me out on YouTube as well. There's not a lot we do know for sure about that. Uh, clearly, uh, based on how it's behaving, I think it's fair to say that this is a uh, more infectious variant, and it's probably the most infectious variant we've seen so far. But that's just about transmissibility, about how well it binds to the receptors in the upper airway and so forth. It doesn't speak to the severity of the cases. And of course, keep in mind the virus don't cause disease in and of themselves because we also have the immune system of the patient that they're infecting to deal with. And very clearly, after the months and months of uh, primary doses of boosters, as well as to a certain extent, natural infection, we have a population that is more immune now than it's ever been. That's not to say that this will cause zero disease. Very clearly, that's not the case. But I think it's safe to say that the current boosters that we have available to us will still continue to be effective uh, and have shown to be effective against all of the Omicron subvariants. And it's likely to uh, provide a, a significant amount of protection against severe disease against uh, Kraken as well. Mm. What do people need to know about Kraken? I think, I, I don't think this is going to be much of a game changer uh, other than obviously for people who may have so far, as far as they know, not gotten infected and have not yet uh, been vaccinated. That's obviously a very small proportion of the country. But for people in that setting, as well as people who are profoundly immunocompromised and therefore probably don't receive as much benefit from vaccines. In, th in those two circumstances, this is still the most infectious variant that we have. Therefore, the stakes for those groups, I think, are still very high. If you're in that first group, those who haven't been vaccinated yet, this is there's still no time like the present to get that process started. And if you are one of the people who are profoundly immunocompromised, clearly uh, take the emergence of this very infectious variant seriously. If you think you're sick, get tested promptly, because even if vaccines are of less utility for people who have weak immune systems, we still thankfully have other treatments like oral uh, antiviral medications that seem to have retained their effectiveness against all these subvariants we've seen so far. Dr. Matthew Outen is an infectious disease. All right. So we have a new variant out called Kraken. All right. What are your thoughts on that? What do you think about that? Let me know. Okay. What do you think about that? Um, well, what do you think could be the possibility of uh, that affecting how things already are kind of going bad now? All right. Okay. On to the next story now. U.S. won't grant key Ukrainian weapon demand. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Washington is reportedly not expected to provide M1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. The U.S. will not include the coveted M1 Abrams main battle tanks in a major Ukraine aid package that will be announced this week. 
Political magazine reported Wednesday citing three officials and another person familiar with the matter. Keith had included the Abrams in its 2023 wish list issued last month as Ukrainian officials seek heavy weapons from the West for its conflict with Russia. Ukraine allies are scheduled to meet at the U.S. airbase in Ramstein, Germany on Friday. The U.S. is reluctant to supply these particular tanks due to the logistical and maintenance challenges of the tanks and not over-concerned that their transfer could escalate conflict. A U.S. official was quoted as saying, Associate Press cited U.S. officials as saying on Thursday that Washington would likely pledge as much as $2.6 billion of additional military aid to Ukraine this week. The package is expected to include, for the first time, around 100 striker and at least 50 Bradley infantry fighting vehicles, according to the report. The U.S. unveiled a plan to provide Bradley vehicles earlier this month to enable Ukrainians to break through. Given Russian defenses, the emphasis has been lifted to enabling them to combine fire and maneuver in a way that will provide to be more effective. U.S. Undersecretary of Defense Policy Colin Cowell said on Wednesday, as quoted by the, on the, by the Associated Press. On Monday, Britain promised to provide Ukraine with a squadron of Challenger 2 tanks and hundreds of armored vehicles, including Bulldog personal carriers. Germany, meanwhile, vowed to supply Kiev with martyr armored vehicles, while France said it would send AMX-10 RC vehicles, which are also described as wheeling light tanks. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Pesco said the Western tanks would only burn in Ukraine, not change the outcome of the conflict. Natoly Anatov, Russian ambassador to the U.S., meanwhile accused Washington of pursuing a dangerous course of continuing to send weapons. Russia's embassy in Berlin argued that Germany had only agreed to send mar martyrs under significant pressure from Washington. Moscow has accused the West of prioritizing the flooding of Ukraine with weapons instead focusing on a peaceful solution. The West is using Ukraine to destroy a security system that has existed in the European Atlantic region for many years, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said on Wednesday. Yeah, I believe so. I definitely believe so. They are basically destroying Ukraine at the same time. You're supplying Ukraine and destroying them at the same time because you know they are not going to win this war. You know it. What is the difference? Here's what Paladin 30 has said. What is the difference between an M1 Abrams and a Challenger 2? The Abrams burn longer. No M1 Abrams for Zelensky. Maybe this will change when Zelensky offers additional growth to certain players. Campaign contributions needs to increase, and then it would be paying in Congress for this system to be provided. Like I said, man, this all this has another, there has to be a deeper, sinister plot to this. basically it okay so let's talk about this you know situation that's going on that is hurting African Americans okay 
MLK Day, Martin Luther King Day, illegal immigration crushes opportunities for black American men. Civil Rights Commissioner finds. America's working class and specifically black men have had their employment opportunities and wages crushed by waves of low-skilled illegal immigration, the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Well, you could blame both the uh, Democrats and the Republicans for this because we all know that the Democrats love illegal immigration and so do the Republicans because Republicans love that cheap labor force. All right. And um, the Republicans will, you know, they like to virtue signal and keep things under the rug. Meanwhile, you know, they work with the coyotes to smuggle these illegals in. Okay. And they're bringing them there, you know, for cheap labor. They work, they raise, they say, oh, no illegal immigrants, no illegal immigrants. But you'll use illegal immigrants, sneak them over here to, to, you know, uh, teach your kids Spanish, help you raise for your cattle business, cheap labor, you know, run your livestock. Okay. And for your construction businesses as well. See, Republican and Democrat are the same party. They're the same party. Never, never, don't get it twisted. In 2008, the commission issued a brief report, a briefing report following the deep analysts and interviews with various experts across the political spectrum. The goal of the report was to determine the role that illegal immigrants play in the lives of the nation's working class and more precisely, black Americans. In the midst of the public debate over immigration reform, the United the US, the United States Commission of on civil rights voted to examine the possible effects of illegal immigration on particularly vulnerable segments of the U.S. working population, specifically low-skilled black workers. The report states, the commission ultimately found that illegal immigration on the scale ranging from 11 to 22 million illegal aliens living in the U.S. with millions of these illegal aliens holding jobs has tended to increase the supply of low-skilled, low-wage labor that favors employers' profit margins. Black American men with education rates lower than the average American are disproportionately employed in the low-skilled labor market, where they are more likely to be in labor competition with immigrants, the commission report states. Illegal immigration in the United States in recent decades has tended to depress both wages and employment rates for low-skilled American citizens, a disproportionate number of whom are black men, expert economics Opinions concerning the negative effects range from modest to significant. Those panels that found modest effects overall nonetheless found the significant effects in industry sectors such as meatpacking and construction, emphasis added. That is true. That is true. You will see more uh you will see more Spanish people in the construction, getting into the construction business than you will see black men being able to get a foothold in it. You will see that. You also see a lot of racism, all right, coming from Spanish workers towards black men, black male workers. It's happening in L.A. when black warehouse workers file complaints about Spanish warehouse workers calling them the N-word and disrespecting them. The commission described the impact of illegal immigration on working class Americans on a piece of the puzzle as a piece of the puzzle that must be considered by policymakers in formatting sound immigration policy. Though recent proposals by Republican and Democrats have focused almost exclusively on benefiting foreign nationals not yet in the U.S. rather than Americans harmed by decades-long mass immigration. 
Recommendation, the commission suggests that the Bureau of Labor Statistics collect monthly figures on the number of illegal alien workers in the U.S., file data and how their employment is impacting jobs and wages for low-skilled Americans. To date, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has refused to collect and compile such data. Peter Carisano, the longest-serving member of the commission, writes in the report that there is ample evidence to suggest that a minimum illegal immigration has had an aggravating effect both displaced of low-skilled American workers and the racial divide in employment. This is because illegal immigration tends to increase the supply of low-skilled, low-wage labor already available in the U.S. labor market. Kirasano writes, Kirasano, mirroring the commission's finding, proposes that immigration legislation in Congress should start studying how mass immigration worsens both the displacement of low-skilled American workers and the racial divide in, in employment. In years following the commission's report, working class Americans have seen few remedies from Washington, D.C. aimed at cutting overall immigration to boost their quality of life and employment opportunities. Black Americans in many cases have seen their circumstances get worse. In a recent example, a group of black Americans lost their agricultural jobs to imported South African visa workers along the Mississippi Delta. The black Americans settled their discrimination claims against their former employers. This is real. This is not a joke at all. And a lot of people, when thing, things get worse and they have to eat and feed their family, people are going to get violent. They're going to get violent. It's not good. And it's going to, this is creating a rivalry. All right. Between working American citizens versus illegal immigrants. And the Democrat and Republican parties don't care about the common folk. They don't care. They want, Republicans want that cheap labor and Democrats want that vote, especially since people are not liking Biden. So they're going to get the illegal Im immigrants in here to get the, to be able to get Biden reelected. That's what it is. That's what's going on. But uh, let's talk about this uh, CNN host, former CNN host, uh, Brian Selter, how he was slammed for hosting the uh, Davos meeting in, uh, I think it was Switzerland or Finland, World Economic Forum. Let's get into it. genuine passing of the electronic baton. Uh, anyway, um, 
Berger, thank you. Uh, thanks, first of all, for your friendship. Uh, Just read the title here. Former CNN host Brian Silk to slam for hosting Davos panel on disinformation, reasons why he was unemployed. All right. Let's get into this. Um, thank you for getting me the best room I ever had here in 35 years. <laughs> uh, takes a long time to go up the ladder, folks. <laughs> and by the time you get there, you can't climb it anymore. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it's not May, that's for sure. Uh, but it really is important to be here. Let me try to settle down here and focus on the task at hand, if I can. Uh, and I'm privileged to, to share a few thoughts with everybody here. Uh, I, I keep, uh, I was sat up last night, my daughter is here, she does a lot of work in health. And we met up last night, we're sitting there talking, you know, so how do we change the way people are thinking about this and talking about it? And why is it? that allegedly wise adult human beings, CEOs, some of them, United States senators, some of them, a whole bunch of folks, <clears throat> want to ignore science and want to ignore mathematics and want to ignore physics and somehow cannot bring themselves to do what we need to do. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we, select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and um, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal. My thing is that there have been always people working on things to save the planet, but you deleted them. All the people that actually had legitimate inventions that help with pollution, like a uh, water-powered car. Guess what happened to that guy? He's not here anymore. He got deleted. You know, do good or whatever, and, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. You look at what's happening with species. Half the species of the planet have been already killed. And if you look at the way we live, the, the incredible sort of destructive process of growth, the way we interpret it, not, not as enlightened growth, but as a, as a robber baron growth, growth uh, driven by a lot of different things. We had 18 separate $1 billion cost events in the United States last year. And you look at Pakistan, where 30 million people in one single event were displaced and their lives were affected, up, up, you know, extraordinary upheaval. And you run around the world. I'm not going to do it now because this group is as smart as any group and you're, you know what's motivating and bring you here. But damn it all, we have to find a way to, to get really serious about bringing the corporate world on board around the world. Mark, thank you for you and a whole bunch of folks who have been just brilliant leaders in really laying this out. And that's not a throwaway thank you. It's making a huge difference. 
there is an, I'm thinking for the first time in, in the last years, because of what Berger just said about we were somewhere around three degrees, three to four, maybe higher, when we went to Paris. And we're not now. So there's a, on the one hand, on the other hand, life that we're all leading right now. On the one hand, the destruction is unfathomable. Flooding, it's just amazing, not just in California, but Nigeria, Uganda, Mozambique, in different places. And somehow we leaders to lead have got to be able to bring uh, folks to the table and organize ourselves around real things that are really going to make the difference now, that tip the balance from this on the one hand, on the other. We have to make it on, here's where we are. Here's where we're moving. It's all excitement. It's all a brilliant possibility. Yeah, there's a book I think you guys would love. It's called Apocalypse Never by Michael Schellenberger. <clears throat> Talks about climate change. The real, the real deep, the real information on it. Check it out. Hold on a second. Okay. Don't know why I lost it here. Okay. Seems like I lost it. Yeah, lost it. Okay. What's going on here? All right, we're back. All right. Okay. All right, it's not playing. All right, it's not playing. Okay. So I'm just going to go on and just read the rest. All right. Former CNN, uh, CNN host Brian Stelter hosted a panel at the World Economic Forum Tuesday on alleged disinformation and hate speech. The panel was titled Clear and Present Danger of Disinformation and included panelists New York Times publisher A.G. Salzenberger, Vice President of the European Commission Vera Vola, CEO of in Interviews Jean Balgart, and Republican Seth Moulton, Democrat, Representative Seth Moulton, Democrat of Massachusetts. Selter asked his panel, how does the discussion of this information relate to everything else happening today in Davos? Soldenberger responded that disinformation is the most essential problem the world is facing because it is, a, it is attacking trust, causing societies to fracture. During the panel, Gerald Volver predicted that alleged hate speech will become criminalized soon in the United States. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a good thing. Definitely not a good thing. Okay. Illegal hate speech, which you will soon, which you will have soon in the U.S., I think great we have that strong. Hold on one second. Purple dinosaur needs like a purple dinosaur needs a hug. Right here, dino boy. Yeah. Are you like that? Are you like that? With you, buddy, you get everything you need to grow your audience. You need to grow your audience. Two buddies the channel. I know. Two pros use what pros? I'm talking Adobe, NFL, Nickelodeon, Mr. Beast, even the BBC. 
wrong second. Sorry about that. Here. Oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. Is that correct? Throw this away. Or maybe get on tomorrow. Genuine passing of the electronic baton. Okay, come on. Right. Uh, anyway, um, Berger, thank you. Uh, thanks, first of all, for your friendship. Um, thank you for getting me the best room I ever had here in 35 years. <laughs> uh, takes a long time to go up the ladder, folks. And by the okay. time you get there, you can't climb it anymore. The reason is a logging problem. So, it's not May, that's for sure. Uh, but it really is important to be here. Let me try to settle down here and focus. One second. Okay. Okay, I can't get to that. All right, we're going to have to just switch it up and go to the next one. All right, so Alberta Premier Danielle Smith slams Davos meeting warns W World Economic Forum wants to shut down our energy industry. We're going to make sure that our oil and natural gas industry stays strong, the Premier of Alberta declared. LifeSide News Alberta Premier Danielle Smith <clears throat> took a direct shot at the World Economic Forum, WF meeting taking place in davos this week saying that she wants nothing to do with the group that is out to destroy her province's economy we have to wonder if there's if there's if there's an appetite in the public for me as a politician to be spending time in a paid access venue where the leaders brag of how much control they have over our politicians smith said yesterday while being interviewed on the sean newman podcast i don't see any value in going to that I'm focused right now here in Alberta. Newsman asked Smith to give her take on the WS Davos meeting during the portion of the interview and the premier distanced herself from people who want to eliminate the oil and gas industry on the on which Alberta's economy, economy depends on. Smith declared that she will neither stand for nor rub shoulders with people who share that aspiration. We're going to make sure that our oil and natural gas industry stays strong, she said to Newman. Smith revealed that she is paying close attention to what is going on in Davos, what is going in in Davos through the independent media sites like True North, because she thinks that the World Economic Forum unfortunately has an aspiration for our economy to shut down our energy industry. The reduction and eventual elimination of the use of so-called fossil fuels is fossil fuels in favor of the transition to less reliable green energy has been pushed by the World Economic Forum. Alberta has the largest oil and gas reserves in Canada. According to the provincial government, Alberta's oil sands 
oils says has the fourth largest oil reserves in the world after venezuela saudi arabia and iran meanwhile prime minister justin trudeau government's current environmental goals which are in lockstep with the united nations 2030 agenda of sustainable development, including phasing out coal-fired power plants, reducing fertilizer usage, and curbing natural gas use over the coming decades. Two weeks ago, Trudeau's natural resource minister, Jonathan Wilson, said the federal government will be moving ahead with, with the Just Transition legislation. The so-called Just Transition legislation will be designed to coax workers in the oil and gas sector to transition to green jobs. Trudeau's has just transition plan, along with the World Economic Forum's climate goals of wanting to eliminate the oil and gas sector, noted Smith means her province is under attack and is something she won't stand for. We've been hearing on all hearing on all about the just transition ever since we started the beginning of the year. And if you look at the report that came out from the Black Locks reporter, they've done a story today that confirms my worst fears. They talk about how we need to transition oil and natural gas workers into jobs like janitors and, and driving trucks, trucks for solar companies, Smith told Newman. These people are out to control everyone on earth. That's it. This is not about climate change. This is about control period that's all that it's ever been about nothing more nothing less this is the language that they're using the bureaucracy that doesn't come from nowhere that comes from a large co-inserted effort by a number of people who want to shut down our oil and natural gas industry since becoming premier smith has come out swinging in defense of the province's oil and gas industry just before christmas she took aim at trudeau's proposal to ban new sales of gas-powered cars after 2035 she promised to protect her province from mandates and any rules that attack its oil and gas industry as premier i will make sure you have a choice when it comes to the vehicle you drive the ndp and liberals can butt out she said smith has promised that if needed she would use the recently passed alberta sovereignty within a within within a united canada act known colloquially as the sovereignty act to push back against unconstitutional federal government overreach. Since becoming the prime minister in 2015, Justin Trudeau has pushed a radical climate change agenda, which has increased costs for many products, primarily due to his impos imposition of a punitive and ever-increasing carbon tax on gas and diesel. Trudeau's goals are not without criticism, and even one former liberal um, MP blasted his efforts as beyond partial and irresponsible. Alberta in particular has a history of fighting the federal government when it comes to asserting its autonomy over its natural resources. In fact, in 1980s, Trudeau's father, then primetime minister, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, famously attacked Alberta's oil and gas sectors by introducing the much-hated National Energy Program, the NEP, which severely hampered Alberta's and other provinces' energy industries. It's sad, but um, hey, this is what's coming down to, folks. This is what it's coming down to. 
But I question this woman. I mean, you were there at Davos, okay? You were there with people who want to help Ukraine. So I got a question for her. What if, you know, the WF didn't want to touch Alberta? They wanted to leave it the way it is. But they wanted you to support Ukraine. Would you support Ukraine? Just a question. It's an honest question. You know, I, I can ask a question, right? I can ask that question. You know? There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, last story. All right. Dealing with these two basketball clowns right here. That's what we're going to talk about. Here we go. About the two local men arrested in connection to a fatal shooting near the University of Alabama. One of the suspects is also a former University of Alabama basketball player. Stephanie Ramirez is live in Northeast with more details. Stephanie, what have you learned? Teacher Rob, so the university player we're told is one of two men originally from the greater D.C. area arrested and charged in the murder of a 23-year-old woman. This was in Alabama this past weekend. That University of Alabama player, he's been identified as Darius Miles. Now, we are still waiting for D.C. public schools to confirm this, but it says online that at one point he played basketball at Theodore Roosevelt High School behind us here in Northwest D.C. And also um, before, that was before playing for the university, but I want you to listen to this as well. I swear, I love you more than you imagine. That was a tearful Darius Miles getting arrested. 21-year-old Miles of D.C. and 20-year-old Michael Davis of Charles County, Maryland are facing capital murder charges. Online, it says capital murder can carry a life or death sentence in the state of Alabama. Tuscaloosa Police Chief Jack Kennedy told reporters that around 1.45 Sunday morning, Alabama University police were dispatched to an area by the school's stadium for a female passenger shot. Police said the driver the woman was with returned fire in self-defense, hitting one of the suspects. They have not said which, but police later arrested Miles and Davis, saying it appears the shooting stemmed from a minor argument between the two. The two groups are not believed to know one another. Now, Miles's father, David Miles, made this post to his public Facebook account earlier today, thanking people for their support. He also wrote, I know it's a daunting task, but if anyone that is a friend of Tracy, Darius, or Mines that is financially capable to be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow when we go before judge, the judge for support, it will be greatly appreciated. The father is known in the area as a basketball coach. We did go to his home to speak with David Miles, but he declined to comment. Attorneys for Darius Miles say the 20-year-old D.C. native maintains his innocence. Alabama's head coach said today that Miles had been out for a couple of weeks during the season and back in D.C. to deal with a separate personal matter. And then just Saturday, he was ruled out for the rest of the season for an ankle injury. Then he's arrested for the fatal shooting on Sunday. Miles dismissed from the team immediately after. Talked to Darius's mother. 
multiple times yesterday. Very hard situation on both accounts. So, I, you know, just continue to pray for Jamia and her family, although I didn't know them, but they're certainly in our thoughts and prayers and continuing to pray for Darius's situation too. It's just an unfortunate incident that I wish we weren't having to deal with today. As we're still trying to confirm if there is going to be a court hearing tomorrow, we also reached out to the other suspects' family. They declined to comment as well. We are told the 23-year-old killed Jamia Harris. She leaves behind a five-year-old child. Okay. Here are my thoughts. Okay. Um... This all stemmed from the fact that he tries to push up, talk to a woman that had a boyfriend. She rejects him. And these dudes just try decide to shoot at her. All right. She ends up dying. The boyfriend shoots back at these guys he returns fire and this is why they're in this situation now a lot of these young boys they don't know how to handle rejection all right they don't know how to process a woman turn them down much less the fact that these young boys think they could talk to a woman when she have a man she has a man step off leave her alone and now they're in this trouble you got a lot of young men that don't have experience just hanging with women. The fact of the matter is just respect them. Just look at women as they are just people. You look at them as people, human beings, you'll get less problems you will have. If you look at a woman who is just a, who is a person instead of a sex object, you won't have these problems. She tells you no. Matter of fact, you had no business coming here because she had a man. You wouldn't even approach her. She has a man. You wouldn't try to approach her when she tells you she has a man. A lot of, you have a lot of simps out here. A lot of simps. And this woman that got deleted leaves behind a young little boy that acts for his mama. And that's heartbreaking, man.
It really is. I, I don't, I couldn't even imagine what that family is going through. All right, I'm going to look it up because I don't even want to see it. I don't even want to see the fact of, you know, that family, family just having to come up with the words. And you see a picture of that little boy. You want to ask, where's mommy? Where's mommy? And that little boy's name is Kane. So right off the bat, that kid has is going to have it rough. Those of you who uh, know about the, you know, the word Kane is from the Bible, the first murderer. So that kid is, could possibly grow up with a lot of anger in his heart. That little boy is going to grow up with a lot of anger in his heart. Angry at God, angry at life, angry, period. Prayers for that little boy's family. You can check out my YouTube channel, All Talk Radio, live in 4K. Like, share, comment, and subscribe if you like the content. All right, I'm done.